What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Born or Made podcast. Today, I have a guest that is crushing it with her business, Beauty and the Broth. I've got Melissa Bologna on the podcast, a former actress, although I don't know, maybe she still is acting and modeling, um, but spent a fair amount of time in her life working in entertainment as an actress and a model and has made a shift to the world of consumer packaged goods with a really awesome brand called Beauty and the Broth, which is a bone broth company. Um, And so I'm really excited to learn more about that. I really want to get your story, Melissa. Melissa Bologna, welcome to the motherfucking Born or Made podcast. Why, thank you. Happy to be here. That was quite the introduction. Wow. I want to give you a quick rundown of what we do here. Really, this is a podcast to get your story. But the Born or Made sort of ethos is I am very curious still to this day almost a hundred episodes in to meet with really great entrepreneurs athletes influential people people that have impacted lives including my own to discuss this nature nurture question whether people think they were born with an inherent slash innate ability to sort of get to where they are at today or if they were made over time and I don't want to get there just yet I don't want you to give me your answer. What we do is I get your story. I want to hear it from day one. I want to to understand what it was like being the child, uh, Melissa Bologna. (laughs) The whole thing. And then walk all the way through um, until until present day. And and hopefully from that story, not only will it be a fun journey to take our listeners through, but maybe we can extrapolate whether, you know, you were born with this thing or if you were made over time through that story. And then, of course, I'm going to drop in questions. I'm probably going to cut you off a few times, and uh, and we're going to have a fucking blast. So let's kick it off, and why don't you just give us your actual introduction, um, because I'm sure you'll do it better than I can, and dive right in. I mean, that was quite the intro, but as you said, my name is Melissa Bologna. Um, yeah, I started off my career in modeling and acting. It was my first love. Um, kept trans- transitioning forward on from that. I went to school for international marketing and business at Pace University in New York. So I always said one day, maybe if I was 40, 50, 60, it doesn't matter. I would start a company and it just so happened to be this. So yes, that's my introduction. Let's take it back to the early days. What it was like growing up as a kid what drove you? What motivated you? Where you grew up? What was your relationship like with your parents? Um, I want to hear it all. Oh, Jesus. This could be a therapy session, too. We might need to make this episode uh, two hours uh, just for the, the beginning part. Okay, so um, I was born in Greenwich, Connecticut. And when I was about three years old, moved to Rumson, New Jersey, I was a very happy kid, so much so that I developed crow's feet as an adult, which bone broth has since cured. Um, But I was a very happy kid, but I would describe my childhood as a complete roller coaster. We moved around a lot. And then when I was nine years old, my life got shook up a bit. We moved to Lima, Peru to be with um, our father. And then my mom really didn't like it there. So she moved back with her three daughters. I I can say this proudly now, literally $1,500, three daughters back to Rumson, New Jersey, which is an affluent town. And, you know, it's just only part of the roller coaster. And we moved back there. 
And all my friends um, that I went to school with a few years prior all moved on because, and they thought like, oh God, Peru, weird. So, you know, I had to eat lunch in the bathroom for a bit. And that's where I think I developed to be funny. And I think I'm funny. And maybe you'll see during this podcast. Um, but so then I eventually won people over with my funniness and then developed new friends. Can I stop you for a second, though? I wanna, I wanna just sort of r- roll it back a little bit. So you're, li- you grew up in Connecticut, and you moved to Rumson. And at that point, was your father living with you then, or had, did he live with you guys in Rumson? He did. He wasn't home a lot. He was a, a lot of the times on business trips. Um, so he was living with us, but he wasn't super present. Got it. So he so he ended up having to go back to Lima, Peru, I'm assuming, for some sort of business thing. Um, well, I could be wrong. Maybe that's a little too pry pry-y. Um This will be um this will be the the, the sequel. <laughs> really getting those details. So you moved to Peru at nine, coming yeah. from Rumson, New Jersey. Talk to us about what that was like. It was very, very different. Peru, at the time I was living there, it's changed a lot now. Very beautiful place. Um, But it was a bit of a culture shock because there's like um, a wall around everything, around the schools, around the homes, around the apartment structures. So it's a little bit of a culture shock coming from where I grew up, where you could physically see people's houses. Um, So that, in times, was like a little bit depressing. I went to a public school in New Jersey and then I was in this uh, all-girls private school in Peru, being taken to school by an armed bodyguard. Couldn't leave my house without an armed bodyguard. So it was a huge culture shock for me. But I've always been a happy, lucky go kid. And same with as an adult. Like, I love an adventure. I love new experiences. So I was the same way back then. But I think it was a lot uh, for my mom. An armed guard everywhere you went. Is that like normal for Peru or was it was it your family like had like had that set up? What was it dangerous? At the time, it was a little bit dangerous. I think that, you know, if you have some sort of money, you have a bodyguard. It's not the same price as it is in America. And I do have a family in politics there. So that was also like another layer of, you know, keeping us safe. We, we got some of that action. I like it. I like it. There we go. You're, action, yeah. action. We want action. <laughs> there it is. You're warming up. Love it. All right. So you come back to Rumson and you've got like a whole new sort of outlook because your friends have sort of clicked up and you're trying to understand where your place is. So take it from there. And Rumson, it's not just a town, it's any quote unquote affluent town. You know, they when the kids are young, they judge you a lot based on like what your parents have. So my older sister Margot had a particularly tough time because you know, we went from having like I said, my life's a roller coaster. Uh, with my family of like having a nice home, not having a nice home, having a nice home. <laughs> and um, so it was particularly tough for Margot being older. And we didn't have what we used to have. Like I said, my mom came back to America with $1,500 and three girls. So my dad divorced papers when we moved back. So, you know, it was like a shock in that way where like, okay, now it's just 
technically the four of us, my two sisters and my mom and myself, Margo's not doing too hot. Um, Margo's feeling very, very affected by this going down a bad path. And I'm just trying to like, you know, get my friends back or somebody in school. Um, but you know, it's moments like these and, and life where everyone, everyone has a story and I think, I think it really makes you who you are today and like, you know, certain characteristics. So this is definitely a, a moment in my life that really, really shaped me. Um, so yeah, like I would eat lunch in the bathroom. People would think that like I was weird, just, you know, kids in my grade didn't understand where Peru even was. And then from there, you know, I, I, I swear I developed being funny and I started, you know, kind of coming off as like the class clown. So when friends and influence people, and then my eighth grade came around, then went to high school, and then I went to school in New York. You said that you sort of developed this humor that I'm assuming was something that you developed intentionally to win, right? I mean, ultimately, it sounds it's like, was that something that you said, okay, I'm going to work on this? Or was it just something that came naturally? I think it was something that came naturally. I think my inner psyche was probably a defense mechanism because I needed something, you know, I, I don't know. Have you heard of landmark? Yeah. So I, I did landmark, not this past January, the one prior, right before COVID. And something that really resonates with me is they say that people have quote unquote, these winning formulas and these winning formulas come from a pivotal moment in your life where you needed whatever that was, such as one of mine being humor, you needed that to, to grow as a defense mechanism or for some reason. And I've had a lot of time to reflect on this. So I reflect that moment in time as one of those. Uh, and actually it gets even more specific. I can name the exact um, events this happened in because not only did I move back I was like the weirdo from Peru but you know in Peru they're big on rolling their R's and when I lived there I couldn't do it so it sounded like I had a speech impediment there and then when I moved back not only could I roll my R's but then I couldn't do my R's in English for instance I couldn't say the word carry I would say I'm going to Cowie or instead of pork, like I would like some pork. Like <laughs> I couldn't say ours. It was so sad. So then I had a speech impediment as well. <laughs> so then I had to go to speech class when I moved back in the school. And, you know, it was um, the same exact class where, where all different kids would go for different trainings. Like we had some kids with autism in there or certain learning disabilities or mental disabilities or speech impediments. So I would have to go, you know, every day for, I forget how long to this special place in the school where I had my special speech teacher. And one time when I was in there, there was a fire drill and I was young and dumb and just so embarrassed. I didn't want my friends to know I was in speech class because I just thought that was so, un sorry, sorry, friends, <laughs> my peers, I should say. And then, uh, and then the uh, fire alarm went off. So I'm just so painfully embarrassed. Like, oh my God, I hope no one sees me. I hope no one sees me. And I'm in the seventh grade. And then you can't make this up. A huge gust of wind comes. I'm wearing this little jumper. 
and it knocks my little jumper to the floor. So I'm in like a shirt and like little underwear. And it was, and I just started hysterically crying. I was doing everything not to draw attention to myself. Then that happens. And that was the moment I became funny <laughs> right then. And that there. was it. That was it. I know it. Oh my God. That's incredible. So you had some, you had some cards stacked against you is, is what you're saying when you got back. I did. I did. You like went into action and you started to build what is now Melissa Bologna. Like I'm assuming that that is what was the beginning of version two. Absolutely. And at that age, I, I was always very entrepreneurial. I would go door to door, knocking on doors to rake leaves, to walk their dogs. Um, I, you know, door to door, raising money for the American Heart Association. So I was always very uh, scrappy, if you will. Why do you think that was? Why? What, what motivated you to want to knock on doors? I think the fact that when we moved back, you know, my mom was in a single mom and she got her real estate license and she was really, really working hard and she was like making it all happen for her and her three girls. And then my older sister, Margo, like I said, started going down like the wrong path. Um, so I think I saw this as a way where I could help out and step up. Uh, since it was like a huge burden uh, for my mom. And, you know, she was already dealing with a lot uh, with Margot and having to provide for three girls. I never actually really thought about why that was. I just thought because I liked it, but I'm sure that had something to do with it. So you get through high school and I'm, I'm sure you settle in and you probably are crushing it in high school and you move up to New York. Did you go to school in New York? Yes, I went to Pace University next to the Brooklyn Bridge. And what was the sort of plan? You know, that's the weird thing. I would run around in New Jersey since I was 12 years old saying, I'm going to be an actress. But I would just say that I didn't actually think I would go do it because I had no family out in California. I, it just seemed like almost like a pipe dream. I had no family in the industry. I was thinking so small, I didn't even think I would see California in my life. Because you don't know what you don't know. So I think college kind of opened me up to a much bigger world. And going to school in New York City, it, there's no campus life. Like your campus is New York City. I, I think I already kind of grew up fast, not in a bad way, not in a good way. Just, you know, I had to be an adult quicker than others and college experience included you know, I think that experience created a realm of possibility of a much bigger world. And I didn't have a plan. So I started modeling. Uh, when I was in school, obviously, I had my major, you know, I would toy with ideas of what I thought I wanted to do. And I, I feel bad for people that age, because you think you feel a lot of pressure that you really are expected to know what you want to do. And people to this day still don't know what they want to do. Like I know people my age that are still figuring it out. So imagine doing that 10 years ago. So, you know, that was kind of my plan just to get a marketing job, continue modeling while I was in school. And then I started doing acting classes. And then in my last year of pace, I actually went to study abroad in Paris. And then that's when a lot of my peers were taking a year or two off to travel after they graduated. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take a year or two off to go to LA and try to be an actress. And so I did. You know, it's so interesting. So I'm born and raised in New York City. New York City is a very unique place, as we all know. Um, and the hard part of New York City, for, as far as I'm concerned, and maybe it's only because I'm from there, 
like acclimating to new environments from New York, specifically car environments where you have to drive everywhere. Now, I guess you're from New Jersey, so it's a little bit different. But like I tried to move to L.A. a few times and I just I had a really hard time. I felt lonely as fuck in L.A. Like it was just like, man, like, you know, in New York, you walk outside of your apartment and there's just you don't have to look hard to find community ever. It's just everywhere. In L.A., it's very different. Like you walk outside of your apartment or your house and it's like the same exact weather every single day, which is nice. You got to give it to them. Like L.A.'s got the weather thing down. But like if you're not living in you know, a few different pockets in Los Angeles, it just feels kind of like it could be anywhere. And so you got to get in your car and you have to find the community. And so that was really hard for me. How was it acclimating to LA from living in New York for four years? You're exactly right. LA is hard. Um, well, I love the driving thing. Being from New Jersey, I love driving. It's to me a freedom. But as far as community, I completely say what you're saying. It literally took me, well, for a couple of reasons, um, a blessing and a curse. When I moved out to LA at the time, I had a boyfriend. So he kind of came out with me. So I had like a built-in community, which was a blessing and a curse because it's really hard to find out there. And B, you know, if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, like you make like less of an effort to do that when you really should do that. So, you know, many years after me living there, when we broke up, you know, then I'm like, okay, I'm in LA on my own now. I have to, you know, find friends. You know, I would always try, but not like someone that's literally transplanting there by themselves. And it took literally like seven years for me to find community there. And it's not easy, but I always say your vibe attracts your tribe. And, you know, when you put something out there, you'll find like-minded people and you do have to put yourself out there. It's not as easy, say, somewhere as New York. So I do find that incredibly challenging and resonate with what you're saying. Um, But after literally that long of time is when I finally started to like it. I still like it. No place is New York, but I think if you're from California coming to New York, you'd be like, what the hell is this? So I I think it depends on the person, but uh, it definitely takes time. And also it's really far away. Like the three hour time difference is quite substantial. What was it like in LA? What was, so, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're still there, right? I'm currently in New York City. I went between New York and LA a lot and I was full-time LA. Right now... I'm heavier in New York than LA. Um, now I go to LA maybe a week out of the month or every two months for work. And, and I love it. Now when I go, I just can't get enough and I love it. So it's like the perfect dosing of LA. But your acting career, was that predominantly Los Angeles? Yes, I was there in LA full time during my acting career. Talk about a tough industry. I mean, that is like, fuck, it, 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 it's such a tough, tough industry to break into. So how was that experience? It was very, very, very tough. I give all actors so much credit um, because, you know, like right now I'm selling my product. If you don't like it, ooh, bummer, you don't like my product. Whereas like an actor, like you don't like me. And, you know, a lot of insecurity feeds off of it and people take it very, very personally. And, you know, it's this constant sense of, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? And, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And even I think it's a mix of being a talented actor. It's a mix of connections. It's a mix of right place, right time. 
it's not a straight line. Like you work hard, you get results. Like, of course, you know, if you work hard, you will get some type of results, but there's just no straight pathway, which is extremely difficult. What was your first acting gig where you were like, I'm feeling pretty good about this? I think one of my earlier films called In Stereo, we actually shot it in New York. There was a lot of emotions involved in the role and I was still fairly new and I was able to reach down and pull these emotions and execute on screen where I didn't even know that's something I had inside of me. So I think that was one of the moments doing this emotional role that made me feel like, okay, you know, you're only going to get better and you're able to do this. And you're not like a lot of these actors who have worked since they're, you know, like six years old on this, mind you, you know, growing up in New Jersey, my mom would take me to auditions and, you know, I did some sort of classes and drama class, but there's people that literally, you know, live and breathe this. I have been doing this since they're six. You get a role and it's a pretty emotional role and you're able to tap into something that you didn't actually knew was inside of you. So I assume that that kind of opened up a door and sort of gave you this confidence. Is that when everything kind of changed? So it's weird because I am such a different person than I was in my early 20s. And I wish when I was acting like I was this person because I think confidence is something that just comes with age. Like in my early 20s, I was so insecure. Like when I was modeling, oh my God, I feel like want to give my 20 one-year-old self a hug. Like I was so insecure and now I just really don't give a shit. And I, I think acting and like the rejection and, and obviously there's a bunch of wins and you celebrate every victory. There's wins and losses, like everything when you lose or when you don't get parts or when something happens with work where you think you have it, then it gets ripped out from under you. It's really, really grating and it grates away at you and you start questioning yourself. And am I good enough? Am I this? Am I that? And just like anything, as it grates away, eventually it stops grating away. And you're just like, why are you taking this so personally? And you realize it's not you. It's the industry. You're doing the best you can you know, eventually, as much as you get graded by the grading stops, and then you start to just not build a wall that's not right, because you know, I still feel all types of things, but you start just not to care. And you realize that things are just out of your control. And it makes you more confident in who you are. All right, ladies and gents, I want to talk to you about my new business, Creatures of Habit. I don't take any advertising on this podcast. I have launched a new business that means everything to me. Podcast is very important. Creatures of Habit is as important. This is a business that is built around habits, healthy habits, incredibly delicious, convenient, healthy habits. I've launched with a a product called The Protagonist. It is a gluten-free, plant-based, 30 grams of protein per serving instant oatmeal. It is an instant oatmeal with 30 grams of plant-based protein, 7,000 IUs of vitamin D3, 300 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acids, probiotic, digestive enzymes, pink Himalayan salt, chia seeds, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, It's made four different ways. You can make it with just adding hot water. You can make it in a microwave. You can make it an overnight, you know, in the fridge. And you can make a smoothie out of it. This shit's the fucking bomb. 
It is literally the first thing that I put into my body every single day. And if you guys know me, you know that I care about everything that I put into my body. Literally everything I put into my body, I am conscious of. I'm, I'm a health nut and I wanted to create a product that honestly helped change my life, which is oatmeal. Actually, the first thing I started eating when I went from the darkness to the light was oatmeal. That was the first meal I had every single day. And for the last 17 years, it has been the first thing that I've put into my body on a daily basis. And that's why the business is called Motherfucking Creatures of Habit, because I am the ultimate creature of habit. And being a creature of habit has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. So instant oatmeal, 30 grams of plant-based protein, vitamin D3, omega-3 fatty acids, pink Himalayan salt, probiotic, digestive enzymes, like it's so fucking good and it's delicious. Three awesome flavors, vanilla, chocolate, blueberry, banana. Do yourself a favor, go over to Creatures of Habit, that's Creatures with a K, CreaturesofHabit.com and please support my new business. It will help change your life. Eating healthy things that make life easier is just the way to be. So I want to understand how you went from acting and modeling to bone broth. So we'll back up to my Jersey life. And I think the end of, yeah, the end of middle school, I, you know, what? oh my God, I'm trying to, there's a lot of aha moments. I had really, really bad digestive issues, but that probably came from like the stress. I never realized that till now, but I had really, really bad digestive issues. I was in and out of the hospital. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And I missed so many days of school. I almost got held back, but now I know it's from the stress. You know, I was like never one of those diet people. I was just blessed to stay trim and eat whatever I wanted. And obviously that catches up with everyone eventually. Um, but then when I was acting out in California and on set, I just started to feel really unwell. It had nothing to do with appearances. I, I just felt unmotivated. I had brain fog. I felt sluggish. And I finally was like, enough's enough. You need to get healthy. So I asked my sister, Michelle, who was living in New York, working in finance for help because she got really into health and wellness. So she kept trying to get me to have bone broth. And at first, you know, I was like, Ugh, like I'm not starting off on something called bone broth. That's weird and gross. Cut to, I tried bone broth. And I couldn't believe, or first of all, the taste is not how I thought it would taste. It, you know, I love soup. It tasted like a soup. And then when I saw what it would do, I told you smiley kid crow's feet. I'm not going to say got rid of and be careful what I say, but it personally helped me with those lines in my face. It cleared my brain fog, which I didn't understand why at the time. Now I do. It helped like the cartilage of my knees from playing sports. And of course it healed my gut and fixed my digestive issues. And I couldn't believe the beauty benefits like the hair, skin and nails. Uh, so when, you know, I'd grab it hot on the go in New York, with my sister, there's quite a few places here for that. And then back in Los Angeles, there wasn't really anywhere to grab it hot on the go. And then that's when I was shocked. And I also see how they eat on set. Like, you know, sometimes you're shooting at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. And there's what they call crafties with just a bunch of cookies and bread. And there's nothing healthy. And bone broth also curbs your appetite. When I didn't see the model like it is in New York and L.A., that's when I was like, there's a huge opportunity here to bring bone broth to LA in a big way that it's not as present uh, in New York. And what that idea has become is bone broth on the go, 
but at your house where you can bring it anywhere with you on the go. That's where this idea all came from. Tell us about bone broth and tell us, you know, you kind of touched on what bone broth can do and how it's helped you, but what are the the nutritional properties in bone broth and why does it like so awesome? Bone broth is really high in natural occurring collagen. And I like to hit the word natural because your gut cannot ingest powder. You can look it up it's the, same, the same way I found it. The collagen in bone broth, your gut actually absorbs it. And the molecules in bone broth of collagen are smaller than those in face cream. So that's one. And it's very high in protein and amino acids. So if you have poor digestion, your gut develops these holes in it, and then food seeps through and red blood cells go to fight it, and you get sick and inflamed. So bone broth comes in and fills in those holes in your guts. And bone broth has been around since caveman days. And aside from it filling in the holes of your gut, your gut itself is incredibly important. Like the information we're starting to get um, right now, they're doing the gut microbiome project. But something I love to tell people is your gut has over 100,000 times more microbes, like living little creatures in your gut than human beings on planet Earth. 85% of your immunity comes from your gut. Your personality, literally your personality comes from your gut, from these little evil microbes. And bone broth goes in there and regulates your gut. I firmly believe that bone broth is going to be drank like tea and coffee just for this reason alone of the information coming out on the gut. I've been hearing about bone broth for a long time. There's a guy who opened up a bone broth spot in New York. I'm sure you know it, Brodo. Yeah. Whenever I'm in New York, I stop by, especially when it's colder out and I get a really nice, you know, little cup of bone broth to walk down the street with. But I definitely would love to implement bone broth more into my daily life. As you should. Where can we find Beauty in the Broth? Are you selling it online? Yeah, so we're we're online direct to the consumer, thebeautyinthebroth.com. And we're moving to retail now, uh, strategic retail um, to help us scale. Like we're in the one hotel, South Beach. I'm really proud to say we just got into the offices at Facebook. So all their New York employees will be able to have it, which is huge. And you said on a cold day, no, 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 on a hot day, cold day, scorching day. You brush your teeth, you you drink water, you drink coffee, you should be drinking bone broth. Sorry to sound like your mom. But I love it. Mine or anyone else's, I just bias to mine because we'll get into the product part in a bit. But bone broth should definitely be a routine. And you know, people like Brodo made it really popular five years ago. And I commend them for, you know, people said five years ago it was a trend. And no, 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 no. It's here to stay. They put they definitely put bone broth on the map. And I think that the best is yet to come for bone broth or, you know, for the ingestible beauty sector, for the health and wellness sector, and for all this information coming out on our guts and where where people want these ancient remedies now. So do you have a team that you work with on this project? Yeah. So I started it all by myself, which was one of the most challenging parts, to be honest with you. And then I have a supply chain. um, So I work with the co-manufacturer, the co-packer, then the third-party logistic. And then on my team, you know, we're still a startup. So we have some interns that are amazing, like some incredible people I work with. Uh, Then we have this amazing brand partnership girl. We just took on um, someone for marketing, a more senior 
And then we have a retail woman in Los Angeles who's also doing a great job sharing our visions um, to get beauty and the broth into places. Um, like we just got into the Fairmont Century City and the Earth Bars in California. So just to make this readily available, all you need is our recommended eight ounces of hot water. And in concentrated format, we cook a lot of the water out of it to make it the strongest, most potent form so that you could add the water, make it customizable to your taste. Because a lot of problem with the bone broth on the market is you're either too gamey tasting or too weak tasting. And there's also high sodium content. So ours has no salt added to it. And then you control the strength of it. And it's certainly not gamey because we use a lot of, um, you know, high end ingredients like mushrooms, kelp, turmeric, ginger. So I'm very, very proud of our product. It's all the things. That, if, I, if I was going to, you know, put my acting on hold for anything, it would be for something that's the best in its category. Uh, so here we are. What sort of protein is it? For the beef, we're sourcing it from the strongest, um, like the marrow bones and stuff in the cows. For the chicken, we use ch- uh, chicken backbones from Mary's Organic Chicken. And then we use different vegetables. Like we use, you know, I obviously mentioned some of them, but we also use things like celery and leeks and just condense everything down. So it's beef and chicken. Yes. And then we're also launching a vegan skew very soon. And that won't contain collagen. So vegan skew cannot contain collagen. However, we're using ingredients that could mimic those benefits like seaweed. It sounds amazing. So I'm going to definitely, we'll have, we'll have a link to uh, uh, the beauty and the broth in the show notes for sure. Um, I know I don't have you for too long. So I just want to ask a few last questions. Um, advice. You went from a pretty glamorous sort of, I don't want to say superficial, but you went from a, a, a career in entertainment to health and wellness and like a very, um, I don't want to say niche because I don't think bone broth is niche anymore. I think bone broth is actually something that people are very interested in. Um, but you go into this world of CPG, which is not as glamorous Um you know, for people that are that are changing career, whether it's a similar situation to you or just changing career in general is something that you just went through. Is there any advice that you can give? Well, I think by definition, if someone wants a career change, they're craving something or they're not fulfilled by something in their current career, or they have an idea or something that has just sparked something in them that they're really passionate about. Passions change, right? So my biggest advice is like if truly think about what's holding you back, uh, you know, a lot of people's answer is money or timing. And the fact is none of that matters. Like we, we have such little time on planet earth, like do what the hell you want. Like don't let things like money or time or timing affect you. Like no matter what happens. So, so you don't make money for a few months, you will always be okay. Like, look at my life. It was a freaking roller coaster. My mom moved back from Peru with three girls and like $1,500. She figured it out. Like, we'll, we'll all figure it out. So don't let stuff hold you back. Like, you, our time in this life is so short. Just please go do it. We're, in fact, extremely lucky. I've never started a business before. I didn't know anything about USA Organic or where to get beef or chicken from. 
but we we all have the internet and this is something that you know our ancestors did not have so we have a huge competitive advantage there habits are a big deal for me a huge deal for me and i think habits are ultimately what define success and failure or success and learning in people's lives, the decisions that we choose. Um, you know, life is like a string of decisions, right? It's just like all day long, you are you are making decision after decision after decision, and that's going to take you to where you end up. It's just a string of decisions nonstop. Do you have any habits that you stick to on a consistent basis like a morning routine or just sort of any habits that you've kind of stuck to that have really helped to shape and change and and make your life better I mean I have this habit every morning of waking up I'm a big I have to walk to a coffee shop with my dogs like I don't care if there's a coffee in the house, hotel, Airbnb, wherever I am. I need to walk and get coffee somewhere. I don't know. It just makes me feel good. I like the routine of it. And I don't know if I if I start my day differently, it just kind of shakes me up a bit. It's definitely a nice habit I like. I've never heard that habit before, ever. <laughs> and I always ask this question. I do find there's something super endearing and cozy about walking to the coffee shop like I especially in the winter time too like in New York walking down the street in the winter bundled up to the coffee shop you get your coffee walk out like there's something really endearing about that that I love yeah I like to feel like a local like a townie (laughs) you know what I mean with my dogs and I love my dogs and I like for them to you know get their morning any other any other sort of um health wellness nutritional habits that you like doing if i'm having a really bad day i go and i work out because i know i'll feel much better and i really like baths like baths are really distressing big bath girl do you add anything to your bath yeah whatever's around i love bubbles so that's (laughs) i I i do there's this product it's gosh it's like the bougiest uh bathtub it creates insane bubbles. It's called, it's called like Saki by Fresh. Oh my God. It's like the who's who of bath, whatever. I love it. Melissa, this was so much fun. I can't thank you enough for taking the time with us. What a crazy story. Um, and it definitely had its hills and valleys. And you you seem to be crushing. Um, I can't wait to get my hands on some Beauty in the Broth. That's for sure. Anything that is going to help rehabilitate me from the inside and potentially add a little beauty to my life. Right. I'm down for like, I got, you know, like I got those guys. You see that? (laughs) That's like, that's coming in for sure. Uh, We all, well, it's a sign of, you know, a smiley individual. So I embrace it, but you know, (laughs) got I'm monitoring them. (laughs) All right. I always finish with the last question, which is, do you, Melissa Bologna, believe you were born or made? I think it's a combo of both leaning heavily toward made. What a great conversation with Melissa Bologna. You know, I love hearing a story, uh, especially somebody with a first-time business owner. Her passion for what she's doing is infectious. She has taken the bull by the horns and found something that truly helped to change her life uh, from the inside out, actually. 
and created a business around it. I, I really can't wait to try uh, Beauty in the Broth. I did. I just loved. I loved her energy. I loved listening to her tell her story. Um, I think in the beginning she was a little, um, a little hesitant, and then she warmed up. We really got a great story from Melissa, and um, she's a wonderful person. It was awesome to connect with her. You know, guys, if you love that podcast, this is all I'm asking you to do. Please, please share it with all your friends and family. But also, if you would give us a review, a five-star rating would be great, but I'm looking for reviews. I would love to get a review for the pod. Or not a review, but, you know, we have reviews, but I'm just trying to build up the reviews for the podcast. This is Mike Chernow here speaking from the heart. So if you would do me a favor and take, you know, five minutes, if you've been listening to this podcast, and just write a review, that would be wonderful, incredible, amazing. I would love you forever. Write a review. And and also, if you hate this podcast and you think this sucks and you want a place to write it, do me a favor. Shoot me a DM at Michael Chernow. Let me know that you think it sucks. And if you think that there's anything I can do to make it better, that would be fantastic. I'm looking for reviews, y'all. That's all I'm I'm asking for. So if you can give us a review, that would be fantastic. Until the next one.